0: Hey Queeros, Cameron here. First of all, I want to thank you for your amazing feedback about last week's episode with Evan Rachel Wood. I heard from so many of you that that episode really struck a chord. So yeah, if you're just joining us now, go back and listen. We've had, I mean, I've i have loved every episode. I've loved every conversation I've had. And and uh, if you're just joining us, welcome. Today on the show, we have Tegan Quinn. You might know Tegan from being one half of the band Tegan and Sarah, but what I, Deliber- deliberately tried to do for Query was to interview uh, Tegan and, separately, Sarah, separately. So I have a one-hour conversation with Tegan today, and then next week will be a one-hour conversation with Sarah. And they are separate people with separate lives, and these conversations couldn't have been more different, which is really awesome. You know, I'm somebody who works in a comedy duo. Obviously, we're not twin sisters. We are uh, married wives. But... I think it's really important to see people as uh, themselves, especially on a podcast that's out, that's about identity. So, man, I also want to give a shout out to the work that Tegan does. Um, the Tegan and Sarah Foundation is doing amazing things for our community. Look up their work and support them any way that you can. So. Oh, you know what else? I should tell you that I am on tour with Rhea. I'm literally recording this in a tour bus um, today. When you're listening to this, we will be in San Diego tonight. We will be in Phoenix, Dallas, Austin, Houston, and New Orleans this week. So please come see us. We've been having a great time on the road. And without further ado, here is Tegan Quinn. Hello, Queeros. Welcome to the show. It's Cameron Esposito. Oh, my God. My hair parts on the wrong side and not the wrong side. A diff- a new side. My mm-hmm. hair parts on a new side. And I i just tried to. But I just had long. like I literally just had phantom hair um, hand. My hair just my hand just tried to do my hair.
1: Phantom hair limb. But my hair doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. I have totally different hair now. Do you so. find when your hair is parted too much for too long of the day to one side and you try to move it that your hair hurts? Because my hair hurts. Absolutely. Well, so I used to have totally a left
0: side Mm. part, and now the right side part is covering up that the left side's kind of a wreck because it's still growing out and becoming a new haircut. But I don't have to tell you about haircut transitions. If there's anybody who understands, it's you. Yeah, and speaking of that, you know, some a uh, feature of this show is that we have guests introduce themselves. So you and I have already been talking, but will you please tell the listeners who you are?
1: Absolutely, I am. Uh, my name I'm a human, and um, my name is Tegan, <laughs> uh, otherwise known as Sarah's sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like half of Tegan and Sarah. I'm a half human. Yeah, yeah. You're a full human. I'm a full human. Yeah. I'm so yeah. My, I'm going to reintroduce myself as Tegan Quinn, full yes. human. Yep. Tegan Quinn. Tegan Quinn, artist and
0: musician and full human. I do have you in my phone as your first and last name. Oh, great. You know, like, just so you know that it's not, that you're not in my phone as...
1: Yeah. You could not, you could also, like, just in case you ever lose your phone, you could probably, you could save my name under something else, too. (laughs) Like, my girlfriend, when she says my last name, she doesn't say Quinn, she, because she has an accent, she kind of says Queen. Oh yeah, and I love it because I'm like Tegan Queen would be a great name. All right, well I'll save
0: your name. I'll save it as Tegan Queen. But now that I've said that, hopefully it's not a query listener who steals my phone. Oh yeah. And well, as
1: odds are it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, no problem there. Yeah. Um, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. It's hot out. It's really hot. But i uh, got a few days off before I head back out on tour, and I'm I had a great day, a very productive day. I did laundry. You guys have been working so hard. You've been traveling so much, it feels like. Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm only judging based on photographs of you that are being posted on your social media. But it does seem like there's a lot of movement going on.
1: Yeah. We actually, I mean, we do a good job of curating a selection of photos and, and words that make us seem super popular and super busy all the time. But we actually have, a, <laughs> we have like, a pretty decent amount of time off. Oh, that's good. This record's actually been super... Um, like we're, this is our eighth full-length record, and we've been officially a band touring for for 19 years, and and this is actually one of the more, I would say, reasonable cycles. Like it, when we wrap up at the end of November, it'll have been 18 months, but we've had quite a substantial amount of time off, so it's been really nice. I think this is a sign that we're getting older, that we're demanding more time for ourselves. Good, yeah, Good for you.
0: Thanks. Way to go. Self advocacy. Yeah. Yep. I saw you perform um the day that we're recording this yeah i saw you perform like two days ago Mm -hmm. i saw you perform on saturday Mm -hmm. you were great you guys were great we were at some weird abandoned racetrack in like san bernardino where there was also comedy happening and Mm -hmm. and then you guys were one of the headliners of the festival and Mm -hmm. that was so fun to see you do to watch you sing
1: uh side stage because of the like you were side stage i was singing on stage
0: Actually, what was weird was I was on stage. You were singing side <laughs> it was stage. Super
1: weird. You guys were singing side
0: stage. <laughs> D- wait, did can I ask you? Did word get to you at all that right before I walked back, I walked side stage? Somebody came up to me and was like, "It's like I'm just really excited for the show."
1: Oh, you got mistaken for a Tegan or a Sarah. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad. I I carry a lot of like guilt that like so many lesbians. <sighs> Like, I'm sorry that we're like, we represent you like for some lesbians. Like I know some lesbians are stoked, but I just mean like I often we started a foundation this year and I open our bits like when we go and like pitch for money and stuff like with like, hey, we're really sorry that we happen to be like kind of like the famous lesbians right now. (laughs) Because like it's like straight people have millions of representatives, but with like gay people, we're like allowed to like elect one except there's no election. Like we just became your like gay person and we're sorry. You know. (laughs) <laughs> I know that you're like
0: joking around, yeah. and by the way, these are good jokes. Thanks, but um, I will say See how deadpan
1: I did it. That's speak... a good comedy move, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah if I was don't... gonna be a comedian, no, I probably do be not deadpan laugh. Or... I, I yeah, laugh. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: you go like, yeah. These are the words, you know. And then, yeah. um, no, I. Well, I do want to say just since I'm looking in your eyeballs, yeah. that I am so grateful and proud of. Uh, the way that you use your celebrity, mm-hmm. I think it's um I think the foundation dude, you can be the like I think if any having. if there's any if there's anybody that gets to pick, there's not an election. Right. But there is one lesbian that gets to pick which lesbian you'd pick up. Is the boss. Yeah. And
1: that's I'm the one that does that because I said I do. So yeah, I think you podcast. guys Look, I think I'll you guys are doing it I was partly joking part, part of it I mean it like you know I for a lot of years I really I wouldn't say it was a burden but I, I definitely struggled sometimes when we would be asked by media or we would talk on behalf of, of you know when they'd be like well you know what do women in the queer community you know like I, I would I would struggle because I don't want to speak for anyone because I know this firsthand you know this we all know this that our community is super diverse and everyone's really different and no one should speak for all of us but uh, you know we're honored to have had the support of our community Community. And and, and we, it's not lip service when I say like I just am bewildered. I'm as bewildered as I'm sure most of the people who knew us in high school are that we made it this far and that we've achieved what we have. No one is more surprised. Um, but yeah, I think we try to use the power and the platform we have for good, because um, not a lot of people do. And that's not their fault. I think it's just, it's in us. It's our pedigree. My mother was a feminist, socialist, you know, activist. My grandmother wrote letters to the newspaper and was a feminist. We're all blah, blah, blahs. And I just, I feel like making music sometimes feels like the most self-indulgent job ever. And it's great because it brings so much value and and passion and purpose to my life and i know it's brought tons of comfort to people i'm not in any way trying to get anyone to like make me feel better but it does feel self indulgent sometimes there's this like 24 hour self marketing self promotion thing that we're all in that's kind of disgusting and makes me hate myself sometimes so i feel like this whole other part of our life where we've been advocates and activists and spoken out and started the foundation and used our power for good like it's it's balanced that grossness (laughs) like inside like every time I post a selfie I quickly log on to Tegan and Sarah foundation.org and it just really balances the grossness a little bit you know
0: here's the thing though like number one I fucking get it and I don't even I do not get it to your scale because like you have a huge huge platform so I don't know what it's like but I will say this I actually kind of made peace with what you're talking about a mm-hmm. bunch of years ago, and it's mm-hmm. it's different because as a comic, you're often i mean not not so much anymore because when I'm touring, I'm like playing an hour s- solo, but when you first start, I don't know maybe this is true for music. you do like five minutes mm-hmm. and there's ten people I that would do have loved if we minutes. only had to do five minutes right yes, so yeah. that's how you start, <laughs> and what I found was that um. Whatever weirdness I had about like being a representative, if I wasn't speaking, somebody else who was outside of the community was happy to do that sure. for us. Right? Like that's the thing about it. When sure. when you um, like especially I mean when I when I was more doing that type of show, it was like right, like one state had marriage equality or whatever. Sure. So like it would be eight straight dudes telling like a dog marriage joke. Right, and then me getting on stage and being like, you know, hold up, like prepare yourself. I am the dog merit, you know. Like I just, and then I feel like at
1: least somebody is like setting the record straight. Yeah, I I mean, look, when we started playing music, it was truly just a. I love to play music. It was self indulgent in a strange way. It was like people are going to pay me to write songs and sing songs and I get to travel around the world and, and and not to glamorize those early years. I mean, the first eight years were literally the horrible, like awful things you hear about, like in a van and just Sarah and I and no money and five people and they were all wearing jerseys and hated us and opening for bands who were okay and not that nice to us and their audiences were awful. Like we've lived all those experiences, more than paid our dues. No one challenges that, but it still was like, oh my God, we play music for a living. Like I... I quit my coffee shop job three months after I graduated in 1998. I've never had a job since, you know. I Like, it's just weird. Like, it's just amazing. <laughs> but it was like, yeah. obviously within the few first few years, we had experiences like you just described where it was like, oh, shit, we have to actually get up here and say something more than just like this next song is about when I got my heart broken. It was like, oh yeah, we do have to talk out about being queer and we do need to step up and say something about marriage equality. And 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 here's the thing is that the first couple years, it was just so political that we were even up on the stage. We didn't have to say anything. I didn't feel like I had to proclaim that I was gay. It was very obvious I was gay. And to anyone who wasn't obvious, well that was even better because they were gonna find something about us that was relatable. And then when they did find out we were gay, we would have we would transcend any ignorance they may have about our sexuality or, or, you know, you know, our political beliefs. So, you know, that it's like the snowball got growing. Like, it wasn't like we started day one and we were super political. It was, you know, we were political as people, but our music was just, you know, so it's, it's kind of become like this thing that comes hand in hand now. Like, it's almost like you can't be an artist and not speak out. You can't be a comedian and not have some sort of political platform. Of course, we can all think of millions of examples of bands who do not use, you know, their their platform to talk about things that matter, um, which I don't understand. I mean, I can't ever stop talking. I can't stop talking right now. <laughs> I know. Well, no, I <laughs> like, don't I mean don't know I, how I do don't it. mean I mean, I know I, right? I can't relate to it either. Yeah. Like, I mean, how, how could I even stop myself? Like sometimes when we were out <sighs> before the election, yeah. Sarah would be going on these Hillary, like, you know, we've got, it. and I would just think to myself, like, we don't have to say that. Everyone here knows that. Like, why are we even saying? But then I would just think, but like, we can't not say something. We just have to say something. We, these people are going to vote for Hillary if they're old enough, you know, like, or these people are going to be involved. These people understand systemic sexism and race, right? Like, don't they? I think they do, right? Sometimes I feel, I don't know if, now I'm going to really like switch gears here like and like really I don't have a driver's license but I'm gonna like make a driving reference I'm like just like dropping it into fourth or something right now but like don't you feel that way on social media like some days I wake up and I think do I have to retweet a million articles about political stuff and like they get like four likes nobody does does anyone read them like I don't because sometimes I'm like well, I don't know. I don't even have a point. I just feel like we. I have to say it anyway. I don't know if people are reading them, but I have to say something. I have to. I'm reading it. I have the political, you know, mind to think like it is important to say something and use our platform for good. But if I tweet about Harry Styles, it's absolutely going to get thousands of likes. And 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 if I tweet about Planned Parenthood, it's not. And I don't. I think people are still reading it, but maybe they just don't like it. I don't know. I think that.
0: Um, well, first of all, I think you do a really good job. Your Thanks. good social media is. Yeah, I think we you really, do a really try to balance it I, I mean, think you
1: do a really good job this yeah. is just an outside perspective Thanks. yeah um I think we do too yeah yes our job is music first and foremost and to be entertaining so we do try to balance right. it right no
0: I think it's i think yeah. it reads pretty balanced yeah and like also I mean not to be super cynical but this is the real truth like your your job is to play music your job you're also like a, you know, like a corporation. Yeah. You know, so like you're you're the voice of a thing that's bigger than you, the person, yeah.
1: just like I am. And so... And long and before your this election, bigger, we had yeah. a very established ethos of like, it's about if you are going to say something about politics or... It's got to be an action item, right? Like, I'm not just going to say, oh, the world's a terrible place. Right. That's, you're never going to see a tweet like that. Very rarely, we'll say. Maybe not never. You'll never... Very rarely we'll see a tweet like that. I'm going to say, the world's a terrible place. Here's a place you can click on to donate. You know, like, with all about, we <laughs> must give you hope. To anti-terrible anti-terrible.com
0: I hope. You know what has changed for me? Um, I don't think I realized prior to the election how much, um, like, self-editing I was doing to make myself to be palatable. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, like, an audience. I mean, here's the thing. I've always been, like, a screamy woman. That's the thing. It's my... That's my, you lost her. Yeah, it's fine. Don't need it. Um, That's like my role in the stand up comedy community is uh, (laughs) to do that. But I don't think that I was like serving queers as much as I could have been because I think that like I was um, like a song um, you can access. And the words can mean a bunch of different things, but a joke, it's like, I really am saying, like, I have a wife and we are, yeah. like, lesbians yeah. or I, you know, whatever. Like, it's so literal mm-hmm. that I think I didn't realize how much, just in terms of social media, I was editing, like... Mm. um Cause I used to get we get it you're gay that used to be literally like that used to be my biggest problem yes. was like every day getting we get it you're gay I got there was an album that I put out where um like a dude that hated me this is a real thing uh, organized two hundred not gonna like this Yes, story. I know organized two hundred people to just write the
1: review we get it you're gay <laughs> that's funny someone's doing that right now to Sarah <laughs> to bring back the bowl cut it's different but <laughs> like. So, um, anyway. Yes. I used to get that. So then I would be like, okay, well, I have to talk about other
0: things because they they want me to shut up about this. And now I'm just like, oh, you want me to shut up about this? Well, then you should have fucking voted for my rights. Like, (laughs) so if that didn't matter to you, then like, I'm not going to shut up. And that that feels like a broken thing. And and you know what?
1: I'll say this about your social media presence I love how political it is and I love how gay it is. And you're right. I couldn't, I can't. If we just all of a sudden that was all we did, it would be. It would be. It would be off brand because we are musicians and it's about, you know, we've got to be more broad than that. So, but yeah, this last like year or so, and there's been other parts of our career where it's felt like this, it's hard to want to talk about anything else and it's hard to balance it and it's hard not to feel, like I said, this whole section started with me saying like sometimes it just feels so self-indulgent to be an artist and I'm not doing this out of guilt. I feel a responsibility to give back because my life has been really, really tremendous. And I've been really lucky. And the re-education of the last, like of myself about the world and about my privilege, which I have every five or six years, I re-educate myself and, and get up to date on how much privilege I have, has this time around has been really overwhelming and and it hasn't ignited any guilt. I just ignited responsibility and purpose and I hope that people who are following us aren't rolling their eyes every time I tweet an article or tell them where to go. You know, like, I try to... Oh, I, dude, you you're know, Spider-Man. Like... Like, that's what's going on. Yeah. But I also really love being an artist again, too. Like, I do recognize, like, how important more than ever in my... Certainly in the last two decades for me, how important music is and how important art is and comedy is and television and film. Like, how important it is because it allows us... It's a, a vehicle for so much. And... Um, and I do feel grateful for that. I'm grateful also that I don't have to make a record right now because I don't know how I I don't know what my vehicle would look like right now. (laughs) It might be on fire. It might just might be really, really upset. Uh, So, yeah, I'm leaving in 10 days. To go I can't, talk I mean, out of my mouth yeah. about, like, the state of the world. I mean, thank God no one is paying us to talk. <laughs> Let's say that. Thank goodness it's still, like, we're supposed to... 90% of what happens up there needs to be music. Thank goodness.
0: <laughs> you guys are good at the middle stuff, though.
1: Yeah. You're good at that bantery stuff. Yeah. You know,
0: I want to ask you this yeah. before we, get like, just yeah. naturally skip over it because I like talking to you so much. Yeah. Um, You've been in a band for nineteen. You're you are a child. You're a child at the beginning of this band. Mm -hmm. You're like,
1: yeah, we're teenagers. We were in high school. Mm Ninety five, and then nineteen ninety five. The then, what happens? Like, talk me through. Okay, so yeah, you start playing music. My mom and dad meet, and they're in high school. Uh Yes, yes, yes. Okay, (laughs) yes. Okay, we're Um, born. It's nineteen eighty. We took piano lessons our whole lives. And then the 90s came along and everyone was in a band and we were like, we want to play guitar. And so we started writing songs. That sounds so insane, but it was literally like that. There was like a conversation where we were like, there's a guitar in the house. We also play piano. Can we play this guitar? It was my stepdad's. So he's like, go for it. We both started writing songs like right away. I never wrote a song on the piano after a decade of, of classical piano in theory and twice a week lessons and concerts and the whole thing. I never even thought to write on it. It was such a... It was such a, it was an instrument that was totally for like learning other music and learning theory and whatever. And it was not a creative instrument. And like I said, it was the 90s. Everyone was in a band. And I just thought, I want to write songs. And Sarah thought that too. And we just started making music. And within three years of that, we graduated and we had garnered quite a bit of hype and sort of like excitement around us in the Canadian music industry, which is really small. So that wasn't that hard, to be honest. Um, especially as like identical twins who were like just at high school, it was, like every record company was like hopping on. i a dozen. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen
0: that a yeah.
1: million times. <laughs> <laughs> like I admit freely that we had an advantage. In fact, I mentor a lot of artists and I am very clear about that up front that I'm not entirely sure A, I could break our band a second time and and B, like without the advantage of being incredibly unique you know we were we had the banter we had two distinct songwriters we had the ability to sing together we were twins we were young like there were so many things that set us apart um yeah we told my mom we didn't want to go to university which she was livid uh, because she'd been a single parent who'd gone back to school twice. And so she was just like, I fucking hate you, little monsters, basically. Like, why are you doing this to me? Like, I didn't I not show you, you have to <laughs> You're like, go to no, school. No, we actually <laughs> want to be rock stars. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is actually it. No. we but used yeah. music as an excuse. I don't even know if I really was taking music that seriously. I was just so wow. grateful to have, like, there was enough excitement about our music that I was like, I'm going to use this to get out of going to school. And then Sarah came out, which was like double whammy. Like, um, so I was like th- those last few months of high school were really, really, really transitional and tough because we were kind of abandoning a sort of like predetermined course, which is funny because we weren't on a you know predetermined course at all, but at the time it felt that way, and then. Yeah, we both kind of like got weird menial jobs. My mom told us we had to pay rent. we had to pay $300 a month. We my parents split up. My mom my my mom's second long relationship our uh, stepped out of 13 years. They split. And we started paying rent and we worked these like weird jobs and we My mom was like, if you're not going to go to school, then you're going to make music your job. And she would, like, drive us around and make us, like, go. It was so embarrassing. She would, like, go into coffee shops and drop off our tapes and, like... (gasps) And, like, I quit my job a few months after um, high school because we made enough money at these coffee shop gigs. I could pay my $150 rent or whatever. I didn't drive. I didn't care. I wanted for nothing. I just wanted to play music all day. And I would send packages to festivals. The internet was just getting real hot, you know? So I was, like... Look up web directories for like festivals and set packages. Well, first you'd like dial in. Dial up, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Then you. I loved it though. The whole thing, I felt very professional. My favorite game as a child was Office. So I really. Oh, my favorite game was Mass. Oh, that was really Mass. Yeah, Mass, like Catholic Mass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mine in order were Office, Orphanage, and um, Army or Jail. Mine just kind of they all turned into Jail. (laughs) (laughs) Like a weird prison thing. (laughs) Um, Anyway, whatever. So the first first year out of high school, bit rough, bit jumpy, all over the place. But we just. I don't know, we just kind of kept at it and we we'd met enough people in the industry who again like like we were set apart no one offered a deal per se but everybody was offering a lot of like yeah, like do it but like don't do it in Canada, like try to get a US deal, try to get a US agent, like get on the road, don't worry about it's not about necessarily making a record, it's about gaining life experience and like within 2 years we'd signed a deal with a small label in the states and it was artist run, it was Neil Young's record label and his manager of 25 years ran it and They were like, go live, tour, you know, get get into trouble, have a bunch of relationships. You're not going to write a great record till you're in your 30s because you're children and you don't know what you're talking about yet. Which I was like, of course, like you don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's interesting. I guess I didn't.
0: Hmm. See, part of what I was going to ask you about is like having that much pressure to perform at such an early age. In comedy, you're, like, not really supposed to make it till you're 40. Right. Like, it's, like, you're supposed to kind of be in obscurity, toiling. That's very positive because you get to... You get like Like, youth is valued, I guess, mm. but not, not worshipped. Mm. And that's so rare because, like, obviously for actors or for musicians sure. or for, like... I see exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when I was starting... Mm-hmm. When I was 18 doing comedy I was like performing for my friends mm-hmm. like as a banana you know what I mean like just like I'm like doing uh, improv oddly, I'm it's, a banana it's really similar yeah. to yeah. <laughs> 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 But there wasn't any sort of expectation that anything else would happen besides that you just do it like after your other job it was like yeah. you'd have your job for decades and, and then one day someone will yeah. finally yeah. exactly like maybe then you'll have your show It's a little different now because the internet has kind of democratize things and so you mm-hmm. know about comics earlier sure. no it's identical to music yeah sure
1: so you're 19 mm-hmm. you're writing songs mm-hmm. But people, people actually expect- heard those songs. Yeah, but but similar to what you just said, with sort of the expectation that you're not really good until you're older, so don't worry about it. If I've we- never heard that before, so I just didn't know that. That's really well, interesting. I think a lot of artists, because what we hear is like a mainstream version of that story. So uh-huh, you sign yeah. to a major label, and everyone gets involved, and everyone stirs the pot, and then you know you're either successful or you're not, and then you toil in the underground, and then you get your big break. Like right. we hear all these different versions, right? Our right. version is just the indie version. We yeah. just it was we'll give you a really small budget, and you learn how to run a business, and you learn how to figure it out and you go out and you become better artists you you develop basically yeah which is the same as touring around the country and yeah yeah, doing your bit for five minutes we just had to fill 45 minutes in front of someone else's audience the same thing and um and it was great it kind of took the pressure off I mean there was internal pressure because all of our friends were in university and I think also I was gonna say when you were just describing you know doing stand-up for your friends I wonder if if like I know for us because I think I think because we were queer and because we were women and because all of our friends had gone off to university pretty much. There was only a couple that had chosen an alternative path. There was a lot of pressure on us like to make it not Mm. make it like the way we have just make it like like actually be able to be to do it. Like I think internally we felt like we had to prove that we had not fucked up our lives, that we weren't wasting time, that we weren't the cliche like in our basement just writing songs. Like, right away, it was like, we need to make this a business and we need to prove that we're not underachievers. Because, like, every report card... Oh, that's so interesting. Every report card our entire lives were like, Tegan... Tegan is obviously very bright. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. But Tegan is not applying herself more. Tegan is very social and then we think if she dialed back some of the social behavior, (laughs) her marks would be a little higher. So I think, you know, post-high school, it was like, there was this sort of voice inside my head like, that we needed to prove that that we were there was something there I don't know what it was like again I never imagined like we're going to play the Oscars one day or we're going to sell this many records never thought any of those things literally never thought about that never thought about fame this is all pre-social media and celebrity and all that other stuff It it was very like blue collar what I wanted I wanted to run a business I wanted to have a staff of people who toured the world with us and I wanted to break even and I wanted to pay back our debts I wanted to recoup I wanted our label to write royalty checks to us. And they did. And I was like, we're successful. That was, like, fine for, like, a decade. I was like, you know, we're a success. We made it. You did You did make it. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. I feel like for...
0: Well, like, I started... I, I did go to college. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, but did you know you wanted to be... Well, what I was going to say is, like, somebody invested a shit ton of money in my future. Like, I mean... I don't know because you went to school. Yeah, because like I went to pri- I went to private high school, I went to I went to Catholic grade school, yeah. high school, and college. Yeah, and it's really expensive. Yeah, and, I mean I-, I literally don't even know what college costs in the in Canada. It, it costs like
1: me either. My college go. costs
0: one hundred and forty thousand dollars. Yeah. So like wow. Somebody invested that much. My parents invested that much. I was much. like, who's
1: the somebody? Yeah. Well, Your I just mean, like, yeah, they yeah. invested that yeah, yeah, yeah. much yeah, yeah, yeah. money it's in incredible. me, like, then. so What did they want you to, like, what did you, what was the, what, what did they think when you got done that track? All that money, investment, all right. that. I what, mean, it's what, what like. What were you going to be, or do, or. Well, I mean. like do Because I feel like this my... is very American to just, like, go and spend all that time and energy without knowing. Yeah,
0: I think it is very American. Well, yes, right. So, I think. Probably my dad wanted me to be a lawyer and take over the family business. Okay, which is my older sister is a lawyer and doesn't did not take over the family business, but essentially went like I'll 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 go to law school if Cameron won't, I will, and I would be like, and I was like, no, I I won't do that. Um, Shit, I know. Yeah, so I um, I was watching my friends get like the entry level jobs that that we had like the the degree
1: yeah to get yeah you know? yeah, yeah and, um, and you're like not for me
0: then i was watching them like five years later um you know like move into a bigger apartment and marry somebody and then i was watching them yeah buy a house and have kids and stuff sure. and for me how it happened was like i essentially didn't make any money doing this job until i was 30 like mm-hmm. i from 19 to 30 what like, sort of didn't random make fucking things cent. did you do to pay the bills I had day jobs for a little bit of it. And then after that, I fucking set up like a thing. I mean, elaborate shit. Like I started a standup class in Chicago that was just for women um, to like try and break the gender norms and that was actually really successful. Yeah. And I made like smart a teeny amount of money. You yeah. know? And then I also um was a circus ringmaster because that oh, was a, as you do. Yeah, that was a teeny amount of money. And I hosted an open mic that yeah. actually brought people into a bar and so the bar paid yep. me. Um smart. Yeah. So I like cobbled it together. But I mean like I lived in Chicago. There was a time when like my rent was three hundred dollars. Yeah. And so like I Did just Did you had live to... with my mom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just had to make three hundred dollars. Sure. Um, and during all that time, all of the people that I knew were l- like on their path, whatever the fuck they were. Yeah. Head of marketing for like Unilever, shit like that. And yeah. so I actually felt like I was I had wasted my parents money mm-hmm. that was really what i felt i mean and they wouldn't i did uh i didn't want to say it but yeah in I, case i'm listening <laughs> i did yeah i mean um <laughs> but like next week i'm going to chicago because uh, an organization a gay organization is flying me out to give lily i'm presenting lily tomlin with an award and i'm taking my dad to the cubs game that's amazing because i'm because i bought the tickets.
1: I bet you that they had yeah. 100% faith in you. I mean, maybe you didn't use that Ivy League education for the thing that they imagined, but you must have learned something. Obviously, look at where you've gotten and what you managed to cobble together like you said and and now where you are. I mean, I don't think it's a complete waste to finish an education like that and not do what you were.
0: You I mean, know. I I totally yeah. agree. I I, know, think I I know you don't
1: need me to no, make it it's feel better. This is for nice. other people listening. <laughs> well, no, I think like my folks uh
0: I almost wish they had been more upset. They were kind of into it. Yeah.
1: That's um, cool. You're learning stuff. At, like, Yeah. I go to the Trader Joe's at USC. I think it's USC. Whatever. One of the schools here. You, you, UC, UCLA, UCLA you, maybe? No. U.S. Do you go to... Which one's like down... Like kind of like on the... Near where Staples Center and I downtown away. Whatever. Maybe it is USC. Campus out yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. And I go to that Trader Joe's sometimes and I like look out longingly from the elevator. Because it's a glass elevator at the campus. And I think like I would have learned nothing probably like in like classes, but I would have learned a lot about life. Right. Like I know that I can tell that these young people are learning something by being here. Like, you know, it's not all like I don't necessarily always think it's a great idea to just like race into college or university because it feels like a big choice to make like what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You know, and yet you're definitely learning something there. Yeah, I mean for me I
0: learned who I was. Yeah. But I just needed like some distance from my fo- I probably could have moved to Boston and just like lived in Boston and maybe figured out I was gay, but it was nice to have some structure to my gayness where <laughs> I had to get up and go to class while also realizing I was gay.
1: Were you were you out in in college? I was um, like with the people who you were out with. No, like- I mean it was very it was a weird time.
0: So, like, I went to a school where you couldn't come out because you'd be kicked out of school. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The Christian college thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like... Yeah, that's a bummer. I don't actually know what people thought was going on. I had, like, dudes I was sort of dating, like, prior to when I was dating a woman. What
1: years is this again?
0: Um, We're, like, a similar age, so...
1: Just say what years you went college? <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. 2000 was when I yeah, got so there? Haircuts and style were, like, confusing then. yeah. Like I'm just saying, like I didn't feel like it was necessarily totally obvious to people that I was gay because the '90s and the (laughs) early 2000s, like the style for women was kind of gay. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, like I don't look at photos of myself and (laughs) go, "Oh yeah, everyone thought I was gay" because it wasn't that obvious.
0: I mean, but we're talking about like, okay, so yes, that is true. But what I'm talking about is that I had a girlfriend who was Korean. And the two of us would walk through campus and, like, I swear to God, sometimes be holding hands and wearing, like, umbros, like soccer shorts and not the same race, right? Yeah. And people would be like, are you guys sisters? And here's the thing. Of course, adoption exists. So this could be my sister. But I was just in an environment where the, like... The number one thought wasn't, these are lesbians, but the number one yeah. thought was, like, these are
1: adopted sisters holding hands. Well, the fact that they weren't the same race and they were asking your <laughs> sisters is a strange question <laughs> to ask. But it's the fact men. that they the didn't first, jump to you yeah. being lesbians or queer actually doesn't shock me, because I will say, like, I live in Vancouver, and there's, a like, a lot—I see a lot of um, younger— girls, like, who I, like, you know, again, you know, I would say, like, of Southeast East Asian descent, holding hands, like, and being really affectionate with one another, <laughs> so maybe you... I don't know, I'm just know, saying, dude, like... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think that, actually, probably, it was just that... It seems like such a college girl thing to do, though, hold hands with another girl. Oh, I'm just I think you're right. I'm not trying to say that you didn't have a hard time being... No,
0: no, it wasn't that it was even... It was more so just, like nobody thought anybody was gay I went to I went to school in a place and that's I
1: that's nobody yeah. thought Got anybody it. was gay so did you so, were you tormented about it or were you like no obviously pretty, not you were walking around with your sister I mean yeah I was walking out I was having a good your time sister with, we were both
0: we were both with our sisters at the time yeah. um <laughs> no uh let's see I mean it was hard it was hard yeah. I like just kind of let people think that the dudes I had been dating prior when I wouldn't come home to my like to the place I live with my roommates, yeah. I would just kinda let them think that I was with dudes. The dudes that I had been dating prior right. to dating these women. Like just for like years. So I w I don't so I guess I wasn't out, which is weird because when I think about it in the, the moment, I felt like I was out because I was like watching the L word. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, well not yet, that wasn't on the TV yet, but, but because say, I was like going are... to a gay coffee shop. I was like, I'm out. But meanwhile, like literally nobody knows.
1: Right. But I don't there's know, different super levels to it. Time. Yeah, totally. There's, there's, Everything there's, was hard. There's levels to out. We've learned. We've defined what out is now because of all the campaigns around what coming out and being out and what an out lifestyle. I, I do believe there are different degrees. I do believe that there are different. Um, it looks different for everyone, and I'm uh, maybe because we've become so accustomed to talking about it in the public. I, I'm really cautious about saying what one what works for one person does not what works for another person but it sounds like i mean if you were walking around with your partner holding hands and you're going to a gay coffee shop and you look gay i mean like that's still that's a version of out maybe not everyone knew but it's a you version know, of out it's you're a right. version of out yeah no yeah.
0: you do to I don't do. actually know this about you mm-hmm. did you like have a thing where you came out like was there like a thing like some sort of blah or was it just like no it became knowledge and so then it was knowledge
1: well no like we just when when our band started like when we started getting press it was just like the first couple interviews we did there was like one of them was like a really big thing it was like with like teen vogue or whatever it was at the time it was like l girl that's what it was l magazine but the girl version of it or whatever and and the writer was like what do your boyfriends think about you guys being on tour and both of us we could you know conferred afterwards and we were sort of like how did you answer that oh well, i just said like I don't have a boyfriend. And then we asked the label. Again, this is like Neil Young's long-term manager who's been with him for most of his career. We were like, Elliot, what do we say? Like, is it okay to say that we're gay? We were like, N- I think we were just about 20. But we've been out with our friends and family at this point, you know, for years or a couple of years. But um, And he was like, are you gay? And we were like, yeah. And he was like, then say you're gay? <laughs> That was sort of it. No, a lot of people didn't care. The language was so different then. It was so clunky. People were like afraid to ask. They were uncomfortable. They were prying. Those first Mm. handful of years, too, no one cared much, right? Like you're doing interviews that are really surface. It's all about, like in those first few years, it was about Neil Young. You know, because a lot of our first tours were with huge acts. So it was like Neil Young signed us, we're identical twin sisters from Canada. You're, you're, you talk about that, your 15 minutes There's like a 20-minute interview. Yeah. yeah, and then it was like, oh, you opened for The Pretenders or oh, you just got back from a tour with Ryan Adams. We actually, in an interesting twist, spent the first part of our career talking about music. And then as people started to do more features and to dive deeper with us, it was like these questions started to come up. So it was, it was kind of in a strange way, like all of a sudden all these gay press started to discover us. And mm-hmm. it was like we'd come out. And now... It's interesting because I'll meet people from the community. I'm not going to out who this person is, but I talked a few years ago, um, right before we we, we did um, about a month opening for Katy Perry, I was talking to a queer artist uh, who I respect, who I looked up to, who I never met until this moment, which only a few years ago. And they were like, oh, yeah, I thought it was really interesting, you know, that you guys took that tour. So we're having this conversation about this. And I said, oh, yeah, well, for us, you know, I mean, I like Katy Perry and I actually think it's really cool to like, I mean, we made a concerted effort to make a pop record to reach a bigger audience we yeah, you wanted dance music yeah we wanted to so go tour to, with dance music exactly yeah. we were like you know we saw an opportunity you know on our sixth record to make a re- or sorry seventh record to make a record that could reach the mainstream there's no queer voices in the mainstream and this person was like oh yeah like good point and i was like you know for us it was like man like well, i thought at the beginning of our career at some point there would be like queer or lesbian alternative voices in the mainstream i mean you know, we, at that point when we were making that record, which was in 2012, I mean, there was so much alternative music in the mainstream and you'd had big successes like a Sam Smith. So I thought like, there's going to be, you know, now we've kind of got like Halsey, I guess, sort right. of like, you know, but I was like, where, where are the queer female voices? We made a record because we were like, well, we'll try to do it because we should be on mainstream radio. Like there should be a queer voice. There should be an alternative voice. There should be many, but we'll take one or two in our case. And um, so I'm talking about this with this person and then they're like, right, well, it's cool. And then you guys, you know, it's an opportunity for you to come out, <laughs> which I was like, huh? This is 2012. I'm like, we've been out since 1998. Wow. And so this whole conversation, but this is not the first time this has happened where someone who's like more from the underground or the alternative music community that's queer feels that we aren't necessarily open about our sexuality, which, of course, I'm dumbfounded by this since we have a massive queer audience hmm. we've been on the cover of every queer magazine we talk i've literally never done an interview where i don't have to disclose that because they always ask about it but it's interesting how the perception in the media will, or of the media that covers us is because oftentimes i think writers didn't want to talk about us being queer because they didn't want to be like making a big deal out of it it was like uncool or something Oh wow so that i think there's been these really different chapters you know, and I'm sure on some level, you probably have felt this too. It's like you want to be perceived. I want to be seen as an artist. I'm a musician. I don't know why every single headline about my band has to declare my sexuality, my gender, and the fact that I'm a twin. Why? You know, but there's whole phases of our career where I felt that way intensely and passionately. And then there's been whole other phases. I'm currently in one where I think it's really important that it states that I'm queer and that, I'm in a band with my sister, and I'm a feminist, and I'm all these things. So I it was a very enlightening conversation, one that has come up many times, where I realized that w- whatever I say in these interviews, I don't read interviews. I just had felt like I was being so open and candid. Doors swung, f- like, you know, fully open our whole career. But shockingly, there are still humans on this planet who don't know. You know, what that makes me think of is... I'm actually,
0: like, fine having... I'm okay being, like... Uh, yes, I am, like, the lesbian comedy. Like, You're I'm okay with it. that. Yeah. But, but the thing that drives me nuts... Yeah. That's an extension of that... Yeah. ...is when people assume that, like, my comfort with a label... I just am not one of those people. I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, I have identifiers, and comedy is so male-dominated... Yeah. ...that, like, you kind of can't get into it without wanting to kick down doors like sure obviously music is also but i but it's like no, it's, it's it's such a thing it's different it's yeah. such a thing no, so for sure You have to have that in you, otherwise you wouldn't stick with it. Yeah. So you have to be like, yes, no, I'm a woman. I'm the woman who's going to do this or whatever. (laughs) But what fucking drives me insane is when people assume that that means something about my audience. Because that, to me, is, like, so offensive to us as people. Because people will be like, oh, so you're, like, you know, the lesbian audience. You're, like, the lesbian comics, so then, like, lesbian come see you? And I'm like, yes, yes, queer women come see me. Also, like,
1: anybody can come see me. else, yeah.
0: Because I have universal appeal. because so does everybody because comedy is about specific experience. It's always through a lens and if your lens is the mainstream normative lens that's still a lens Mm -hmm. and it's just invisible. No, that's incredibly frustrating. I mean... That I get constantly and I feel like it's the weird extension of the thing that you're talking about Mm -hmm. which is like... So we're going to label you as this, and therefore, like, I, this interviewer, I'm going to cut down your ability to tell, <laughs> sell tickets by telling people reading this yeah. like that they should feel uncomfortable coming to see you. Look, if they're we're not. celebrating the 10-year
1: anniversary of our record, The Con, this year, and been going through all that press that we got. And that was, like, things really started to shift then for us, like, in a more positive way. But, I mean, Pitchfork called us tampon rock you know enemy oh my god enemy said that we were tam- lovely, even though we hated cock and there's another oh. new york magazine that wrote an entire article just about how fuckable we were and at the end you know basically oh. said that if you if you were a man or you were straight like a woman who was straight th- then we weren't for you like people would just come right out and say like and they meant it it was so weird because a lot of times they just meant it as like yeah we were like they were drawing a map For people, like, this is a lesbian show. You probably don't want to go here unless you're a lesbian. What was so hilarious, or not hilarious, but what was so interesting about this is that we'd spent literally the first... 13 or 14 years of our career opening for men so yep. most of our audience yep. was, was men yep. like we yep. had emo hard rock alternative rock guys we'd gotten alternative yep. radio the only radio we had until two years ago was alternative radio it was like but someone would come review the show and they'd be like it was a sea of lesbians and I'd be like it really wasn't no it really <laughs> well, wasn't well see we but it, it's weird We're because so, it's a trick it's a yes. trick because it's a bear trap because then you say it's not just all lesbians and then it seems like you don't want an audience <laughs> of lesbians and they trick you into being yes. inner homophobic starts to come up and you start to hate yourself and you hate the way you look and then you start to hate the way you're perceived and then you start to talk about your image and then you start to feel alienated from your audience and then you start to resent your audience for not supporting you for like the changes you're making to make yourself seem like I mean it's an awful bear trap. Yeah, it really is. Just imagine me and Sarah at a bear trap screaming like for the last like eight years trying to (laughs) figure out how to get out of it. Uh, I mean I fucking get it. Embrace it. Man, I just... You're right, it was a sea of lesbians it was incredible. Yeah. Especially that... Giant guy with the Metallica shirt and like the giant beard right in the middle there, like in this photo. You're right. He's probably a lesbian. But I I mean. Ugh. Yeah. Listen, friend. Well, we went to
0: see you last year at the Ace Hotel. That was a weird corporate show, though. That doesn't count. No, but I'm gonna tell you it doesn't matter if it was a weird corporate show. Okay. I'm just gonna still tell you that this part Denied. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that part of it fake um... news. <laughs> Listen, I am a member of the mainstream media and this is what I believe and like, you know, I'm out here just like doing my job. I get paid a lot by the Fox Corporation to make this podcast and it's important that I serve my bosses. Um, They're really widening their base. They really are widening their base. Now it's only lesbians because I'm on it. Now it's only for lesbians. No, I went to, we went to that show. It was a corporate gig. Um, You guys were still amazing and, like, brought it. It felt like a real show. It felt like a regular show. Yeah, it's actually fun, um, yeah. And I, I just felt, like, as an artist sitting there, not sitting, I was standing, dancing. Nice. nice. Um, as an artist dancing there, mm-hmm. I was really into what I saw from your audience. I'm never in my audience. I can't go in my audience. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was... A good point. ...so excited to see, um, like... All of the different types of people that were there, how jazz they were. Totally. How jazz the queer people were, but who else was there and like what kind of glitter was been had been put like into beards. Because there's not just like a guy with a Metallica shirt on a beard, but he like also has glitter. Like there's just like a there's like a queering of the space sure. that happened sure. that was super positive and um it actually just gave me a lot of hope about like what I could ask for from my audience. Because I started when I started doing stand-up. The comics who did talk about being gay would like play a separate thing. They would play like a weird, like a room in West Hollywood that other that is only gay. Got it. So um... there are a lot of parallels between music and comedy. It seems. Yeah, exactly. So like I, I never played anywhere that was gay because yeah. I made the decision early on. That I felt like I needed to be marketable. And I also felt like I didn't want to be in some like sidecar space. I wanted to be in the room that would get me booked on whatever and like work my ass off. And I want to prove myself to these dudes and all this other shit. So, like, I only started having a lesbian audience and queer people in my audience like, yeah, like three years ago, whatever it is, five years ago. Five (laughs) years ago when we moved here. When we moved here, and then we started touring differently because we moved here.
1: Yeah. So, like... Look, I mean, I think that all of this stuff... I mean, again, I think because we're queer and we're women, we think about it through that lens. But I think what we're talking... what we're talking about is marketing. We took tours opening for big bands because it meant we got to stand in front of their audience and we specifically liked taking tours of bands who had loyal audiences because we saw that as a great place to market ourselves was to people who were loyal to the bands that they liked, you know? And um, it was rare that we would be... It had nothing to do with gender or sexuality of the headlining act. It was like, what kind of audience do they have? And um, it was the same when we made choices about where we signed our record deal or when we took photos. Like, everything was exactly that. Like, what is going to create a strong image so that when people see this, they're going to feel something and they're going to want to hear it and they're going to want to come and see us and like we wanted great shirts that were soft and comfortable and cool and we wanted spaces that were really welcoming to people and we really you know on stage we tried to have positive messaging like we thought about all this stuff it's just marketing I think you know through the lens of 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 being political people or being queer or being women it comes down to those things but I think it's just marketing I mean like you know we maybe we worry a little bit more but and we all know that no matter how We reframe it. The last couple decades, we're still battling the fact that the world is, you know, is a sexist, homophobic place where we have to battle and work really hard to get where we get. And, you know, we live in a society where we're not taught to mentor each other or help one another or, you know, we were we have been told so many times I've lost count. Not to have other women on the bill because you don't want too many women on the bill because it won't sell or not to support other queer artists because they're too similar to us and that it will, you know, bleed from our audience. You know, Um, we've been told not to talk about our age or to talk about, you know, of course, we all know that. Right. We all know that. So we're like really obsessive about that. But in the end, it all comes down to where do you want to play and what do you want to do? And the only people apologizing for success are women and men don't do it and we don't need to do it and I'm not doing it anymore. I want to be successful. I don't care. I want to pay off my mortgage. I want a retirement plan. I want to take more vacations because I'm tired and I'm old and my feet hurt and I want (laughs) to rest and I want to stay at nice hotels. I stayed at a hotel the other day that I found a bug in the bed and I was like, you know what? I'm going to stand here apologizing and wringing my hands no longer. I'm going to call downstairs and say I want a new room and I want to move. And You know, I'm just, everyone told me I would feel this way at some point and I'm so glad it finally arrived. The train station hit you know, when I turned 35 and I just, I don't want to apologize anymore. and I don't care. You know, I want certain things and the things that led me to here were really hard and we had to maneuver and think through these things. And I, I don't think we should have to apologize for wanting to reach more people. None of us should have to apologize for that. We want to be successful. We put tens of thousands of hours into this. We deserve what we're able to get, you know? And um, yeah, for a lot of years, I felt actually most alienated from our audience because, I felt like success made them feel like we didn't want them, you know, and or that we were like embarrassed to be gay or something like that by wanting to be outside of that community that we weren't appreciative of their support or love. And I hope that we've repaired that, you know, not that we owed anyone any explanation, but I wanted there to be more space. I wanted there to be more representation in the mainstream, you know, so. I never wanted to not play queer spaces or be in queer spaces, but it was important to me that I would not be limited to queer spaces, which I think is pretty much what you just said. And I think the art that we're making is not limited to women or queer people. And that's why we've worked really hard to make our music universal. And, um, you know, and I think maybe the parallels between music and comedy stop there because you're right. You have to be, you, you know, you have to speak very specifically on stage and as musicians, we are allowed to be a little more broad, but Yeah. I don't think you should have to apologize. It's good. Make your spaces queer friendly. But like also like you should aim for the mainstream. You should because there there needs to be more representation in the mainstream. and No one needs to apologize for that.
0: Well, I also think as long as you are holding the door open so that people can follow you. Heck yeah. You know, like
1: that's actually how you create political change. I mean, totally. I, I... Sarah and I are like always like someone else take over. Please, 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 <laughs> please run ahead of us. I don't want to be it anymore. Yeah, and it I don't change. I don't even want to even... be that person anymore. I don't yeah, want to yeah. be on the radio. Right. Get right. in there. Go. Exactly. I'm I holding mean, the door hold open. the door Get open for there. other
0: artists, but also like for your audience. Yeah. You know, so if you say, I'm going to take a mainstream, whatever room or like whatever, and like as long as then that's not a space that you make it clear to some group of straight people that you're ashamed of yourself, like, hey, will you accept me? Because I'm like running away from something. Yeah. As long as you're not doing that. And yeah. I mean, something that we actually was a conversation with you guys, like, mm-hmm. we are working to make sure that all of our venues on this coming tour, mm-hmm. um, like that security knows that we care. Yeah. Th- that our audience is safe. Yeah. Going in whatever bathroom feels right to them. Sure. Like. That is written into our writer. And like that's the kind of stuff I'm gonna do while I also come and play the venue that like a straight dude comic should sure. play. Sure. And I think if you do that, it's a really powerful way of like Bringing us out of being sequestered. And you know what? In my personal life, I go to like a queer gym and I go to like. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, you're going to like this place.
1: I'll tell you about it. No, I'll probably hate it. I like to be alone. I don't want to be surrounded by any events. There's almost nobody there ever because it's a queer gym. (laughs) Um, But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I hear it. But like in my
0: personal life, I do feel fed by our community. But Mm -hmm. in my business life, I am like fighting to bring myself my identity into whatever space I'm in sure like I'm just like invite me wherever and I'm gonna be myself there
1: this will be clunky but like in a strange way it's like I feel like the mainstream because there's so many millions of different versions of who you can be in the mainstream at least my perception of the mainstream is that like that there's so many millions of TV shows and films and bands who like you know and everyone's really different that I've always felt really accepted in the mainstream and I've had to be really careful because my narrative around being a queer, feminist, alternative woman is really different than most. And I haven't felt ostracized, and I haven't felt left out, and I don't feel like an outsider. And I never really have. And... I feel really freaking lucky that I grew up where I did and had the friends that I did. And I'm saying this about I grew up in Calgary, Alberta. People shake their heads from Calgary. Like, how did you grow up that way there? But I just did. I just did. I have an unusual amount of self-confidence and I don't know where it comes from. And I've always felt like (laughs) I'm a glass half full person. My girlfriend said the other day, she's like, it's really weird how optimistic you always are and you're never grumpy. And she might have just been, you know, just saying that, but like, I think of myself as that kind of person, but I have to be careful because I recognize that this is bookending where we started. I represent, you know, a group of people and a lot of them don't feel that way. And a lot of them didn't have those opportunities or experiences. And a lot of them are really struggling. And our band has become much bigger than the music we play now. It is about the community that supports us and the community we represent, regardless if they like our music or not. And this is where the apologies come in. We still represent them to a lot of mainstream corporate, you know, factions in the world. And I do my best to remember that my experience is not everyone's experience. And I, we did play a Christian college earlier this year. And part of the deal was that we wanted – there was a class on pop music that we were going to speak to them. That was sort of part of the deal. We would do the show but also speak to this class. But then we said we really wanted to meet with their GSA, um, their Gay Straight Alliance, for those that could possibly not know what that means. And um, it was such a really weird experience and a disarming experience because at one point I said something along the lines of, but things are better now you know, that was the gist of my sentiment. And they were like, huh? No, like we're not seen, you know, we're invisible and it's just as hard. And if anything, it's in the news all the time about being, you know, trans or queer. And, you know, the Trump administration is just making it worse to be us and things aren't better. And I left that conversation. We just launched our foundation a couple months before that. But I left that with a renewed sense of clarity that I once again, like my life, started and, and, you know, sort of, it was fostered in this really positive world where I got to be who I wanted and chop all my hair off and call Sarah brother until I was much too old to call her brother. And like, I had a really different experience than a lot of people. And I'm really grateful for that. But um, I have to be careful that when I'm talking about my experience that as a representative, a lot of times for this community, that that's not their experience and it's refocused me in that like we are truly the one percent within our community and our experience is really different than most people's and we have to fight even harder and talk about it even more and be even more focused and put even more energy into making that community better because as my life got better and as we got more accepted and as we got more privilege and more money and more power and more exposure that was just our experience you know and uh it, it gives me a lot To do still, not just write music. Like, there's so, there's like a to do list of like other fights, other battles, you know? Do you keep an actual physical to do list? I don't need one. I'm a Virgo. I have it in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Cameron Esposito, you might
0: know her. She keeps a lot of physical to do lists. Really? What's your sign? I'm a Libra. What does that mean?
1: Yeah. Well, that's right. After Virgo. So there's a lot of like to
0: do lists, organizing. I'm super organized. Yeah. And I'm very optimistic. That's Although right. a little crabby sometimes. Really? Sometimes.
1: I, I just am like, it, I think it's probably one of the things that I find most. I'm incredibly patient with crabby, hangry people, but I guess to me, I'm like, <laughs> if you're crabby, why did you call, show up, visit? Oh, no, I would never be phone. crabby outside of the house yeah. alone by myself. But even in the maybe relationship. it. Yeah, but even that, like, I'm like, why? But. And hangers well, the same. What do you think so, I should selfish, do? Like plan, put a what do you bar in your do? bag. You should always travel with Wait, food if no, you're prone if to if I'm anger. crabby and real, What am I supposed to do? Give me the advice. <sighs> I,
0: I mean, what I usually do is I go like workout.
1: Yeah, then yeah, that's better. You know, I, I'm I'm partly kidding, but like, no, but I mean, like... I do have a lot of patience. I don't know. I'm I'm I'm. Come on, truth teller, tell me some truth. I <sighs> just think get over it. Get over. it. <laughs> 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 oh, I think usually it just means like eat something or yeah. like take some time for yourself. I mean I think I think crabby people are often overextended and I think they're ball meaning, but I think they're they're overstretched. Yeah. You know. I I, I don't know. I'm I, I think, yeah, get over it. Come on now. Okay. I I will I'll say this though. Great. Like some crabbiness, some some grumpiness is really cute and sweet and it's sincere. It comes from um I'm pretty good at dealing with it. But I most of <laughs> it I think is just based in hanger and in that I'm like carry food carry food oh,
0: my god. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did just, eat like a weird snack box from Starbucks right before you got here like to like deal with this exact problem
1: I like I like living on fumes mhm both physically and metaphorically uh-huh. at times like some of my best work happens when I've like had seven coffees and I'm like standing in front of my desk and I'm like <laughs> writing some lyrics and then all of a sudden I realize oh my god it's three in the afternoon I haven't gone to the bathroom in like, hours <laughs> um you know my left shoulder is like all out of whack for the next week like i get a lot but i live on that you know i i will admit that people who are just always like i'm tired i'm hungry i hate this i hate i'm just like i just want to trip them and pull their sweater up over their face and just like wrap them up in a carpet and like and just be like (laughs) in their ear really really aggressively but like very lovingly be like you need to get over all of this right now life is short enjoy it get out there log off Log off? I think that...
0: Yeah, we did it. I was going to say, I was hoping that log off was like exactly where we were going to stop.
1: Yeah. Just kind of the first minute where I was rambling. No, no, no. It, it was perfect. Right.
0: Um, all right. Well, Tegan. Cameron. Um, before, first of all, you're you're killing it.
1: Thank you. In for life? For doing that. Yeah, you're killing it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, y- yes, you friend. being the, you know... Yeah. Yeah. I mean... The proverbial you. The people I happen to be destined to reach. Mm, mm-hmm. Meet and see each uh-huh. day. Yeah, human beings. Um,
0: before you head out today, yeah. I would like to ask you to shout out a queero. So that's just like somebody or a place or thing that made you feel
1: confident and strong in who you are. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's so weird that nothing, when you said it the first time before we started, and now this time, like, literally nothing pops into my head, which is probably due to, like, always just feeling really like, like, everything makes me feel great about being here. <laughs> <laughs> like, every, every time I see, like, I just always feel great about being, like, I'm like, oh my, I can't believe my luck. That I got to be queer. I couldn't agree with you more. Like I I know it's hard. Like sometimes being queer. I know. Like, but I'm my luck. Like, because I just my perspective, my empathy. Yeah. Like, I just feel really lucky, and when I see like a couple talking to each other, like you know, or like I don't know. I just am like so grateful all the time. That's so negative. That's a terrible way to end. I don't want to say that. No, but but.
0: you're saying that you like. The closeness of it and the understanding of it and the openness
1: of it. It's just great. Like, it's just awesome. It's just totally awesome. Like, I don't want to make anyone who isn't feel jealous, but it's just, it's really lovely. Like, every day I'm just reminded constantly. Like, instead of being overwhelmed by how much heteronormative stuff we see all the time, it's great because it just makes me feel like I don't want to be like everybody else. I'm so glad I'm so different. And when I see that i watch it and embrace it and listen to it and indulge and live in a world that benefits all of that but it just constantly reminds me how unique and interesting and cool and different my life and my experiences and just makes me really grateful so shout out the entire community shout out the entire world (laughs) plus slash all queerness yeah
0: (laughs) awesome thank you tegan my pleasure listeners, that's our show. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Cameron Esposito. We are recorded by Matt Brousseau, produced by Sierra Kato and Feral Audio. Our theme song is by AW and you can find them at listentoaw.com. Thanks for listening to
1: Query. Feral Audio.